0: Good morning, glad to see everyone this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. We're going to get rolling right away, right away. We're going to be starting in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, second book, third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible we do have some on the sides that are in the windows. We also have Wi-Fi if you use a phone or tablet for that. So Luke chapter 9. Um, Anybody pay attention to the uh, uh, Olympics that just finished up not too long ago? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. So a few of you did, a few of you paid attention to the Olympics that were happening. Of course, um, you know, the athletes there are amazing. The two major stories or two of the major stories that people were talking about going into the Olympics were the health concerns. Uh, There were lots of lots of health concerns about um, what was happening down in Rio. Um, Of course, one was the Zika virus and uh, just, a, just a horrible, devastating, you know, virus uh, for women who are pregnant, and then just the ways that that gets spread, and, and uh, I, I just can't even imagine. That was one. The other one was just the conditions of the water in general, the conditions that the athletes would have to be swimming in. And, and so the big question became uh, to the athletes from, you know, reporters, from pundits, from people that talk about this, journalists, was, are you going to go? You know, with all of these health concerns, are, are you as an athlete going to go? Is as you as a, as a family member, as you as a, a fan or a spectator, are you going to go? Are you going to participate in that? And uh, there were several athletes that said they couldn't participate, that they wouldn't be able to go, and that they wouldn't be able to go down because of the conditions. And then there were the majority, though, the other side, the majority of them said, there's no way I would miss this. There's no way in life that I would miss this. Like, they had geared their whole lives. They had dreamt about, you know, having Olympic gold. They had dreamt about hearing the national anthem of their country um, played as they're standing there in front, of, in front of cheering fans. They had dreamt about that for their whole lives. And they, they put, put, made that as a priority for their life. And they said, there's no way that I would miss that. There's no way that I'm going to miss that. It's certainly admirable. Um, one of the athletes that, that was interviewed... Was uh, a woman named Simone Manuel. Now, have you heard that name? You should hear that name. She is the first American, or African American, from the United States to win, I believe, a medal in swimming, but certainly go- a gold medal in swimming. Now that's a big deal. That's a big deal that should be should be celebrated. But she was interviewed, and she said that in her daily routine, in her daily exercise, and in preparation for the Olympics. Um, she was swimming over six and a half miles per day. With the majority of that being sprinting, like sprint swimming. Um, six and a half miles, are you kidding me? I'm doing good if I drive six and a half miles in a day around here. But she's swimming, sprint swimming, six and a half miles a day. And the diet and and the routine, the sleep, everything, everything in her life was geared around preparing her to participate in the Olympics. You could say that that became, uh, that her life really did revolve around participating in the Olympics. Now, you and I, well, I'm never going to participate in the Olympics. Most of us probably will never participate in the Olympics. Um... But we all have things in our lives that we might identify and say, you know what, I I could really say that at points in my life, my life really has revolved around that. Whether it's your job, um, could be a relationship, possibly your spouse, your kids. Certainly, um, you know, there was a term coined years ago that I don't think it's very flattering, but it was, you know, it was one that just sort of described the the occupation but it was called soccer mom you know you ever hear the soccer moms you know they were the ones that loaded up the kids and that was the sort of the description of loading up the kids and you're just always mom's taxi right so mom's taxi was in service I don't think moms got paid very well for that service but uh, that was that was the connotation and it just it just sort of it gives you an indication it gives you a bit of an illustration into how uh, lives can revolve around our kids And I would just say to you as we sort of launch into what we're going to talk about this morning, what your life revolves around really does become the purpose of your life. What your life revolves around really does become the purpose of your life. And of course for us um, this morning what we're going to say is as followers of Jesus we want our lives to revolve around our faith. We want our life to revolve around our relationship with Jesus and then how do we work that out throughout our everyday lives then then ultimately if that we follow that logic what our life revolves around becomes our purpose then ultimately our purpose becomes our faith it becomes Jesus it becomes relationship with him which is actually a, a really good place to be and uh, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning's purpose in life purpose of life we showed you some pictures we did a little silly thing um, all of that is to illustrate this new vision to to just communicate in different ways a vision that we believe that God has put on our hearts the hearts of the leadership here and it's, um, it's called my everywhere we want to be a people who follow Jesus everywhere and so and what we're asking people to do is take pictures in their everywhere in where God has called you and then send that to us so that we can see we can see who else is participating in this, see who is on the team, you know, and and see what sort of momentum we can build from that. So we'd love to have your My Everywhere picture. Take that in your workplace or with your family or at the grocery store or restaurant that that you frequent. Anywhere that you feel like is a spot where God is calling you, that is your everywhere. That's your everywhere. And here's the thing, everyone has an everywhere. Everyone has an everywhere. And then you go, well, where did that crazy idea come from? Actually, it did come from the Bible, so we're safe, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 6 is the one that that I'll read real quickly. We'll stand in just a moment as we go into another uh, portion of Scripture. But it says this, so the disciples uh, set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The disciples that Jesus sent out went, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing the sick everywhere, everywhere. And that's where we got that from. That's where we, that's where we uh, pulled that vision from. That's what we uh, just set the table with as God began to just allow us to dream. And, and uh, you know, this thing is going to catch fire. We're already seeing it. I mean, uh, you guys are doing it. You guys are doing it. And what I've done, just to let you in on the strategy of these message topics of these series of messages, what I've done is said, okay, well, it really is two parts, and if we're going to participate in these two parts, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing the sick, if we're going to do those two things, then we've got to sort of pull those things apart, right? We've got to kind of take those things apart and say, well, what what does this actually mean? What What does it mean to proclaim the good news of the kingdom? What does it mean to heal the sick? How do you do that? Right? Oh, good. I wasn't sure my mic was still on. So that's been the strategy. That's been that's been the idea of uh, let's take this apart because here's the thing. If some of you guys, some of you will attest to this. If you if you set out to uh, fix your lawnmower. We've got a big lawn project coming this, this Saturday you guys are going to participate in. If your lawnmower was broken and you just took your, your manual there and, and you just looked at your lawnmower and said, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And you got excited to do it because you couldn't wait to see your lawn mowed and you were wanting to get the work done. You take your manual to it and you have zero idea what the manual is telling you about what part to replace or what bolt to, to change or what you know, whatever it is. If you have zero idea, what are you going to do? You're going to go back in the house and get some iced tea and call someone else to fix it maybe, (laughs) most likely. Now that's that's a strange illustration, but I find that as a pastor, that's oftentimes what we do. We hear an outstanding message on Sunday mornings, and then we have our Bibles, and then we go to the project and we go, I don't know how to do that. At least that's the way it was for me. I'm not sure quite how to do that. So the whole strategy has been, the big secret has been, let's take apart those two ideas. Let's take apart those two assignments. Let's take apart those two commands. And say, what are we proclaiming? What's the good news that we're proclaiming? Where does that even come from? What does that look like? What does that look like? And is the good news good for everyone? See, that's a, that's a really, that's a hindrance to the gospel when the good news is only good news for affluent people. That's a real hindrance, right? If the good news isn't good news for everyone, then it probably isn't good news. So that's the idea. So we break it down, proclaiming the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, and we put them in three different headings three different headings. Last week I talked about hope. Last week I talked about hope. This week I'll talk about purpose. Next week I'll talk about life. But as you're going into your everywhere, following off last week's message, we want to be a people of hope. You're, what The good news is that there is hope and everyone needs hope. That's the good news. Everyone needs hope and there is hope found in Jesus Christ. This week we'll talk about purpose, like what, what is it, what's the purpose of life and what's the purpose that can be found in the kingdom. So I ask you to turn to Luke, I'm going to ask you to go a little bit further, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I am like giddy with excitement because this is my favorite verse chapter in the whole Bible. This is my life verse. This is it. If you have, if you have a favorite scripture, this is mine. This is mine. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's stand together. We'll begin in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for, for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view People sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. We're so grateful to you for the life that you've given us, the word to direct us, to give us hope. Father, as I speak this morning, I pray that you would put power on this message. Lord, I pray that you would Help me say things that I hadn't even planned on saying, but would be very significant and important to someone here this morning. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be soft as we turn toward you, that we could really find hope and purpose in life in the message of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Powerful passage, right? I mean, that's just like, wow, we could take weeks on that passage we could just we can just jump right into that we could just dive into that and stay there man that is so inspiring it has become for me it's been such an inspiration it's become what I would consider my life verse which then out of my life verse I find my life purpose and I've, I've mentioned this before that if you don't have a life purpose that you could write down I would encourage you to to really think about that and pray about that like, what would your life purpose be? Well, what would a statement about your life be? I think those are helpful. I think those are helpful. My, my life statement is to help people fall in love with Jesus and use their gifts to serve Him. If, if I do that, and if I as consistently as I possibly can, help people fall in love with Jesus and use their gifts to serve Him, if I do that consistently, I'm going to be I believe I'm going to be extremely satisfied with my life. And I believe that I'll hear on that good day that we all look forward to at some point, well done. You've done well. And so that's, that's my day. That's how I remind myself. Today, help somebody fall in love with Jesus. Today, help somebody learn about their gifts and then use them to serve Him. So we find our life purpose in Scripture. We, we find that life purpose in Scripture, and that is a central message of the kingdom. Aren't you glad to know that you're not here by accident? Yes. Like you weren't just an accident, even though, you know, someone might have said along the way, maybe your parents or somebody surrounding your life, like, well, that one that one was an accident. <laughs> you know, that one, if there's a big gap, we have a big gap in our family, so I have a 15-year-old and a 3-year-old. Pray for me. Um you know, we've, we've been described. you know, when someone, someone will ask us, you know, I have grandkids too, so I need even more prayer, but uh, someone will say, you know, is this, is this your granddaughter? And now oh, it's my daughter, and there's 12 years between her and her sister, and they're like, oh, and I know what they're thinking, was that an accident or was that planned? Like, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, oh, you know, God does it, God gives life, whatever, it's good, it's good. Every one of us have a purpose. Every one of us have an assignment. Every one of us have a mission. You are unique. You're uniquely created. You're the only one that can do what God's called you to do. Isn't that exciting? I mean, mean, in a world that consistently wants to make us all the same, tempts us to become the same, wants us to be exactly the same, you know, don't stand out. You know, I think that's part of the great... I'm going to use this word, but I don't necessarily mean the force of it. I think that's part of the great force of the, of the rebellion of young people. It's like, no, I want to be my own person. I want to be my own person. Well, you are your own person, and God's given you a specific design, and He's given you a specific purpose, and He's given you a specific message to then deliver. And so looking from this and drawing inspiration, Christ's love compels us. Guys, it all starts and ends there, right? If I have some other motivation for the mission in my life or the purpose in my life, then I know that I'm ultimately going to find myself in a place that's going to be difficult, lifeless, dead end. But Christ's love compels me. That's what drives me. That's what drives me. He's what drives me every single day. And it says this, Christ died for all so that in him everyone has died so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The first blank on your sermon outline is this. Believers no longer live for themselves. So when we begin to think about life purpose, when we begin to talk about life purpose, that's where we start. We begin with Christ's love, but we then shift into an understanding that if I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't live for myself anymore. I don't live for myself any longer. And I think, here's what I think. I think that's where many, 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 millions, in fact, people get stuck. I think that's where we get stuck. I think that's where we get discouraged. I think that's where we give up. Here's what I mean by that. That is such a hard message to hear. That is such a hard message to hear because everything... In your life, leading up to the point you give your life to Jesus, has been training you to live for yourself. Everything. It's been praised. It's been uh, lauded. It's been awarded. How well you live for yourself. How well you take care of yourself. That's, that's it, right? I mean, we're, we're going somewhere. We're growing up in our parents' home. But the, ultimately, the aim is that we what? We fly. You got to go. Some parents are like, that day can't come soon enough. You got to fly. You got to go. So we're training. We're teaching our kids how to fly, how to take care of themselves, how to live life for themselves. and that's what culture is teaching. And so all of a sudden, you have some moment, you have some experience, you have some you have some revelation if you will, if you want to go that deep, to where you believe not just in this abstract concept of God, which almost everyone would say, "Yeah, I believe there's a God somewhere." I believe in some sort of God. You you shift from that into understanding that there it, there's a God, a very, He is very specific, He is the creator, that He created you, that He loves you, and He sent Jesus to die for you. And then everything just sort of changes. And then you learn that, wait a minute, everything that I've been taught in regards to life, especially from culture, that has taught me that I'm the most important person in my life, is now, that now has to change that now has to shift. So I'm no longer living my life as a follower of Jesus. You no longer live your life for yourself, but you live it for Christ who died for you and now lives again. Am I the only one that thinks that's hard sometimes? Right? So it's this continuous, continuous sometimes battle but certainly struggle of reminding myself, oh no, wait a minute. And one of the ways, here's, here's one of the ways you can tell because you guys are right there with me. I can see it in your eyes. You're right there with me. You're like, well, how do we figure this out? Here's how you can tell. Who benefits most from the decisions that you make? Who benefits most from the decisions that you make? If you're the beneficiary of every decision that you make, You're the most important person in your life. And if you're the most important person in your life, you are in trouble. It's the truth. I mean, you guys signed up for truth, right? Right. Good. So believers, once, once you become a follower of Jesus, you are then submitting your life to Christ. You don't live for yourself any longer. We live for Him. We live for Him. And it's actually, here's the, here's the if you're looking for good news in that, because at this point you're going, oh, I'm not sure about that. Here's the good news. It's actually really, really, really good for you. Because you don't know everything. And that's not to be offensive. I'm just saying, neither do I. You don't know everything. But when you submit to the one that does, now we're getting somewhere, right? Now we can actually now we can actually participate in a life bigger and beyond ourselves which is actually so much better so much more so much better because the truth is when you're the most important person in your life it's miserable It really is beyond the whatever it is that that makes us feel good about things beyond that There's always a spot where you go, man, if this is it, if this is all that I'm living for, wow. And most people hit that around 40. So if you're under 40, you're getting there. You're getting a bonus, right? Revelation. So believers don't live for themselves. They live the life that God has given them. And what's the purpose of that life? What's the purpose of the life? Well, Paul spells it out for us in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, so it changes. Notice notice in this passage how it changes. So you go from your understanding of life being, I'm not living for myself any longer, but I'm living for Christ. I'm living in the life that he's given me. And now, the, one of the implications, one of the huge implications of that is that it changes the way you see everything. And it changes the way you see everyone You see, when you're the most important person in your life, you see other people as threats. This person has the potential to take away from me what's most important to me, which is my happiness, which is my security, which is my whatever it is. This person, you see people as threats outside of faith ultimately you see people as threats and Paul says listen as you give your life to Jesus what's actually happening is everything is changing everything is shifting the way that you think about your life and then the way that you think about others he says we we don't regard people this way anymore from a worldly point of view but from a life hidden in Christ and so you shift from seeing people as threats or maybe even opportunities depending on how We've learned to use other people in our lives. We shift from threats or opportunities into beloved, into brother, sister, into um, a, a person with value and worth and dignity because Christ gives that to us, right? And that's that's the goal here. That's what's happening. And this is what's happening. This is the message of the kingdom that we're committed here at Vineyard church to go and proclaim we're going to proclaim hope we're going to proclaim purpose every single person has a purpose every single person has worth every single person has dignity now if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old is gone the new is here all this is from god who reconciled us to himself gave us Here's here's where your purpose is going to shift. Gave us then the ministry of reconciliation. So that the word ministry doesn't throw you off and you shut your Bible in disgust because you're not a minister. The word minister, the Greek word for that actually just means serve. It just actually means servant. You you are a a servant of reconciliation. That's your goal. That's your purpose is to Participate in the reconciliation that God initiated through Christ to me. And then we give it out. Second blank there on your outline. Our purpose in the kingdom, the kingdom message is reconciliation. The kingdom message is reconciliation. And it's not a word that we use often. If you ever have seen this archaic thing called a checkbook, you were potentially taught when you were young or in school or growing up that at some point you had to reconcile your checkbook. It's actually a helpful way to think about it. To reconcile your checkbook, meaning you you took the bank's statement, you took that statement and then you pulled out your checkbook and you looked at the checkbook and you checked it against the bank's statement and you're verifying that the transactions are accurate but you're mostly verifying that the balances add up. So the statement from the bank tells you what you actually have even if your checkbook doesn't agree. Make sense? Some of you learn to do that. Some of you have zero idea what I'm talking about. But you go through the register looking for mistakes. You're looking for shortcomings. You're looking for somewhere where it's fallen short of the statement from the bank. Okay, are we all together? Okay, good, good. So, let's use that illustration, let's use that, that process, and then take that to the kingdom. Because king, it's actually really helpful, it's actually really helpful. What we're doing, as we reconcile as we participate in serving in the ministry, or serving the cause of reconciliation, what we're doing is we're surveying situations, we're looking at situations, and we're saying, where do these situations, where do they not add up in the kingdom? And what resources needed from the kingdom that I get to participate in to bring that into a right account? Okay? Okay? That's, that's what that looks like then to reconcile. We are then, we're surveying situations, we're looking at situations, it could be in our own lives or in our workplace, wherever your everywhere is, you're going to go into that situation, you're going to look and see, you're going to survey that, you're going to look and see where is God's kingdom not in alignment with what's happening here, and then you participate in reconciling that. And we've talked about, it almost feels ad nauseum, but we've talked about, but it's not because it's good. Four of the four Ps that are associated with the kingdom are the four implications of the kingdom coming. And this is really important. So if you're writing, write this down, please. Write it down, please. It's really important. The four P's that are the implications of the kingdom of God that has come in the person of Jesus, which is the message that you're going to proclaim in your everywhere, the four P's are the presence, the power, the provision, and the protection of God. The presence of God. The power of God. All of these are available right now because Jesus came. The provision of God and the protection of God that's a real easy summary that's a that's a summary that we can use and so let's just get more practical let's just get because it's got to be applicable right so we go into our situation say it's your workplace tomorrow you go into your situation and, and you're, you're, you're going inspired by God's love, and you go in there and you say, okay, I want to make a difference in my everywhere. Then what you're going to do is you're going to survey, just mentally, not like audibly or verbally, but you're just going to look around. You're just going to take, take a little inventory and say, what of those four Ps is needed in this place? Maybe all of them, but like, what is most needed? in this place. Is, it, is it, Are you guys connecting with me? This is really important. What of those four Ps? Presence, power, provision, protection. You can do this at home, too, if, if if you would say, which we should, at home is our everywhere, our everywhere is home. Um, what What's lacking here? So, um, you're looking at it, it just seems as though there's a hopelessness in the workplace, there's just, it's just really, even though there are some sparks here and there, it just, it just really doesn't seem like there's much happening, it just doesn't seem like there's much motivation, it doesn't seem like the conversations that are happening around the water cooler are, are meaningful at all. And you say, well, the way that I might reconcile this is, I need to participate with God in bringing more of His presence into this place. I need to be a, a participating with God and bringing His presence into this place. Well, how do you do that? Well, you shift the way you talk. You might shift the way that you act. Instead of uh, talking about what might be generally accepted in the office place, which would which be normal, whatever, chatter, gossip, sports, whatever it is, maybe, maybe you're talking and shifting your conversation to being one of hope. Or maybe you just talk simply about coming to church, like, hey, we were at church yesterday, the message was amazing, the best I'd ever heard, and, uh, and uh, man, I'd really like for you to come. See, what you're doing there is you're beginning to introduce into a situation the presence of God. Now, it's not without risk, Right? It's not without risk, because then you get you know, potentially labeled that religious freak or that, that guy that we want to avoid because he's the one that always brings it back to prayer or some sort of spiritual idea. And So there's risk in it, but that's what it means. And if you've given your life to Jesus, that's what you signed up for. Part of what we have to stop doing is believing that the things that Jesus and the Bible specifically tells us to do are optional. <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna really do that today i'll probably do this but i'm not so keen about that one i whole love your neighbor garbage not working for me today jesus so we just treat the bible we treat faith oftentimes as though it's optional it's not it's really not so you give, you've been given, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, don't longer, you no longer live for yourself, but you live for him who died for you so that you could live again. Um, and then you've been given this, this responsibility to then go into your everywhere and reconcile those things. Where there's a discrepancy, where there maybe is misunderstanding, where there is mistake, then you're going to be a partner in reconciliation. You're going to reconcile those things to what's true. Is that helpful? And then, just to finish, we finish with hope. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. So if you're if you're unclear about your mission here, just no, just like imagine some of you like to imagine this: the badge on your shirt, Christ's ambassador, Christ's ambassador pretty heavy, right? We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow, wow, wow. Man, that's heavy. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to back up really quickly to verse 19. I got a little distracted there uh, by the wowness. But verse verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Man, is there a message that people need to hear that varies very much from that? Final blank there on your outline. God does not hold our sin against us. Man, if that's not good news see, that, that, that runs the spectrum. That, that goes from black or white, rich or poor, educated to less educated. Um, it just runs the whole gamut that God does not count your sins against you. He doesn't count my sins against me. God's not waiting with a divine hammer that when, as soon as I, you know, give in just a little bit to his commands that he smashes me. Man, that is so good. That's one of the truths that you might need to reconcile in your everywhere. That's one of the truths that you might need to use in your everywhere. Because it's a common misconception that people have that they're not good enough. That they're not good enough. That's one of the great lessons that culture teaches us also. Not only does it teach us that we all need to fit in. Not only only does it teach us that we're the most important person in our life, but it also, if you'll pay attention to advertising, teaches you that you're not good enough. That's actually the lure of advertising. If you buy the product, you'll be better. And I don't have time this morning to go through shame-based advertising, shame-based, you know, teaching. Um, Gosh. There's just a very, very common misconception. Because here's the thing. No one is more aware of your mistakes than you are. There isn't a person in your life. I don't care what they say. There isn't a person in your life that's more aware of your mistakes than you are. And then you take that understanding to God. You take that life to God. And you just sort of hunker down and you go... I hope this doesn't hurt too bad. And you need to know that you have a loving father, a loving papa. That when you come to him and you're hunkered down and you're waiting for that, whatever it is that he's going to punish you with and he doesn't punish you but he reaches in there and he lifts up your head and he says, son or daughter, I'm so glad that you're here. You go, yeah, but I've... Son, daughter, I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, but, and it might take four or five times before we finally go, okay, he's not going to let me present to him my mistakes, but only offer his love. And that's the way it works. That's the way it happens. That's such a common misconception. That's one of the first ways that you could participate in reconciliation this week and you're everywhere. Every single person has a purpose. That purpose is to live this amazing life with Jesus, submitted to him, following his direction, and then helping others find their way into that also. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every person here. Lord, I thank you for this ministry of reconciliation that you've given us, this, this ambassadorship that you've uh, placed on us. And Lord, I pray right now where there there would be schemes and attacks of the enemy that would come against us and, and just as we talk about shame and those sorts of things and shortcomings and mistakes and sin and you know the enemy is just always right there to, to devour that to perpetuate that and I just say no you are not allowed to do that you're not allowed to do that as a part of your kingdom God I understand that there is protection so I ask for your protection for every person in this room And especially now, I pray, Lord, for those that are in this room or hearing this message that would say, Matt, I have such a hard time believing that God wouldn't hold my mistakes against me. I pray right now for the person that would would say that, Lord. I pray that you'd bring hope. I pray that your power would destroy that lie and that they could sense your presence even greater. That you would lift their heads and look in their eyes and say, I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.